another episode of Two Strike Noise, your weekly baseball history podcast. I am one part of the show. My name is Jeff. Joining me, as always, is the second uh, equally handsome part of the show. It's my co-host, Mark A. Johnston. Mark, how you doing? Hi, Jeff. I'm 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 uh, uh, dreaming of baseball. I mean, it's not like you can't find any baseball, but I'm really, really ready for this season to start in the major leagues. All right. I'm gonna be I'm gonna be positive. I'm just bummed right now. That's all. Well, you might have to. Well, you definitely have to wait till next year for a whole 162 games because that's already off the table this year. Yes. But hey, I just do want to mention it that since and since Rob Manfred announced that the first two series of the season had been canceled, obviously last week, uh, he is officially banned from two strike noise. He is not welcome here. I see a couple of minor league teams have done this as well. We want to get on board. If anybody sees him around here, please let us know, and we'll have Susan, our security specialist, remove him promptly. We don't want him right now anyway, you know? No, not just now. <laughs> we just don't want him. <laughs> Remember when Bud Selig was the commissioner, and everybody's like, man, I can't wait till we get a new commissioner. It, it can't get worse than Bud Selig. Now, well, it could, but we haven't put me in charge yet, have we? Do you really think you would be worse in charge than than Rob Manfred? I mean, we love baseball here, right? This is true. I I don't think we could do worse. Uh, all right. We do have a couple of things I want to talk about here in our BP segment before we get into. By the way, this is a Tales from the Dugout episode. So if that doesn't get your blood pumping already, I don't know what will. They are very popular. But first of all, Mark. Our episode last week on the Simpsons episode, Homer at the Bat, also very popular, got a lot of response. A lot of people really enjoyed that, which is great because we really enjoyed that. It was fun. We love pop culture, fans of the Simpsons, and then, you know, being able to relate that to baseball and talk about some players and stuff. That was really cool. I think every every franchise should probably have an episode like that that we could do. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. It could be a whole new podcast. Well, I, our next one is going to be on the Mr. Belvedere episode where he has like Willie Mays and Mickey Mantle. And there is a just a who's who of Hall of Famers on that. So I yeah. and I and frankly, people are clamoring for an, another Mr. Belvedere podcast. So, well, well I'm sure. I mean, I know I have written a few letters myself. <laughs> We're going to throw our hat in that ring as well. <laughs> but speaking of other podcasts and famous people, do you watch? Uh, do you ever? Do you ever watch? It's always sunny in Philadelphia. Uh, yes, I certainly. I, I mean, I haven't watched them all, but yes, I've watched a lot of them. Yeah, I've I have watched every one several times. Love it. The last couple of seasons, not so much, but the during the prime, one of the greatest shows on television. Charlie Day, probably my favorite member of the of the crew there. The guys from It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia have a podcast now where they're they're rewatching their episodes, but they literally don't talk about the episodes. It's basically them just rambling. It's like a, it's like a new episode every week when they do their podcast. And I was listening to an episode and I was floored. My wife was in the car. We were listening to this. Charlie Day was talking about Garbage Pail Kids and how he used to collect them. But then he also collects baseball cards. And then get this. He says, oh, yeah, my favorite player is Ricky Henderson. Whoa. And then he goes on to talk about how he's traded for Ricky cards. And then they get into talking about Ricky talking in third person. It ended up being a Ricky Henderson episode of the uh, Always Sunny podcast, which. Man, they designed it for you, Jeff. I know. I was literally uh, my wife was like, you didn't know this. I'm like, this is Charlie Day, who is I, I really enjoy is a Ricky Henderson fan. Wow. So it takes all types. Man. You know, take, you got to be cool. To be a Ricky Henderson fan, I think. I, I mean, this is true. This yeah. is Ricky's like super cool. So you got to have a little bit of cool. Yeah, you got to have a little swagger if you're a Ricky mm -hmm. fan. Uh, speaking of famous people, now remember, like a month ago, if it was even that long, I was excited because I am continuing my Ricky Henderson post today until the lockout is over. We're we're over ninety days now. But somewhere in the, the high 70s to maybe low 80s, MC Hammer himself retweeted one of my daily Ricky posts. Well, he's done it again. We are we, we have been retweeted by MC Hammer now twice 
about Ricky Henderson. I think it's safe to say that uh, MC Hammer is a fan of the show. Well, I, I, I'm also saying that it's pretty safe to say we're best friends now. Yeah, I mean, I, pretty much equal. Yeah. yeah. So, you can count on it. I think also, as, as we were talking about earlier, I think he is now contractually obligated to come onto the show. Two retweets. And He's got some baseball history about him. He'd be a great that's guest. That's right. We talked about why he got the nickname Hammer just recently. That's right. It's good stuff. Uh, also, we brought up, uh, I think it was last week. Yeah, it was last week during the Homer at the Bat episode. I brought up Harry Hooper, who we had talked about before. But there was something I found out about Harry that I did not know. And this kind of ties back to the Ricky post today. So July 5th, 1993, Ricky became only the second player at that time to hit leadoff home runs in both games of a doubleheader. It is, by the way, since it's been done twice more, and I'll get to that. But the first person to do it in 1913 was Harry Hooper. Wow. So nobody had done it from 1913 to 1993. 80 years, wow. nobody had done that. And yeah. then Ricky did it against the uh, the Guardians that day. Since that time, in 99, Brady Anderson did it. And then in 2018, Ronald Acuna did it. So it's now been done four times. That could have been that's the true. trivia question. No matter what, that's having a good day, no matter what happens the rest of your bats. I know, right? That's... <laughs> Two home runs in the, to lead off both games of a doubleheader. Very nice. Saw some more numbers that struck me as needing to be talked about. Mickey Mantle had the best year of his career in 1957. He won his second MVP award. Back-to-back, by the way. 56 was his first. He hit this slash line, 365, 512 on pace percentage, and a 665 slugging for a 1.17 OPS and had a 20 and had a 221 OPS plus. Those are good, good numbers in case you're new to the game. Yeah, definitely. (laughs) Uh, Except for his slugging percentage, every number listed was a career best. However, he didn't lead the league in any of those stats. No kidding. (laughs) And that is because of a 38-year-old Ted Williams, who came in second in the MVP race. He slashed 388, 526, 731, a 1.257 OPS, and a 233 OPS plus, none of which were career highs for him. (laughs) Wow. Yeah. I mean, these two guys had a year. Mantle's war for that year, 11.3. 11.3 in one season. Yeah. And Williams was 9.7. Wow. Roy Seavers came in third with a 4.6 war. <laughs> wow. Completely different level. Yeah. I mean, he led the league in home runs and RBI that year, and he hit over 300, but just 4.6 nowhere is close. respectable for war. I mean, yeah, that's a oh, good year. Yeah, it, it is. <laughs> but, Not when I, you're playing against Mantle and Williams, I guess. Yeah, I mean, that is, those are crazy numbers. But then to think, and also I looked it up, Williams had nobody on that team. They were a fourth place team. The Yankees were in the, the midst of a four-year run of, of World Series appearances with wow. several other Hall of Famers around him. Williams was it on those Boston teams. Yeah, just yeah. impressive numbers. I mean, Ted Williams. It's Ted Williams and Mickey Mail's Mickey Mail. Uh, I this is another thing that I had had a discussion with some people on social media about, and we all know that everybody loves Mike Trout as well. They should generational talent. You know, except for Shohei Otani now, I think he's still probably the face of baseball. Sure, sure. Just a, a an incredible player. Has a hard time staying healthy. And we're missing out on some prime trout because of things like COVID and and now this lockout. Mm, Prime trout. (laughs) We needed that last week. Uh, Somebody said to me, well, not to me, but I joined in the conversation that Mike Trout is a first ballot Hall of Famer right now. I I had to disagree. I don't think I don't even know if he's a Hall of Famer at this point if he never plays another game. Hmm, interesting. He's been in the league for 11 years, okay? 
He has won three MVPs and the Rookie of the Year. Every year, except for last year where he was hurt, he has finished in the top five of MVP voting. Mm -hmm. Silver Slugger, All-Stars, no gold gloves, which is a little surprising. Uh, Three-time MVP, as I said, eight-time Silver Slugger, nine-time All-Star. He's won the All-Star MVP twice. Those don't really count, though. Uh, no. for, for any of those. He was named the Wilson overall defensive player of the year, despite never winning a gold glove. So hits wise, career wise, 1,419 hits, 310 home runs. He's got a career batting average of 305, a very impressive 419 on base and a 583 slugging, a 176 OPS plus for his career. All of this is very impressive. 203 stolen bases. Walks a lot. Strikes out a lot. But he gets on base. But he's only played for 11 years. He hasn't hit any of those statistical magic marks. Right. One postseason appearance, which was only three games. And he hit an anemic 083. (laughs) Ouch. That was the ALDS against the Royals in 2014. I don't know that he's if he never played another game that he would go into the Hall of Fame or should. I'm interested to hear both your your impressions, Mark, but listeners also. If Mike Trout never played another game in baseball, would he be a Hall of Famer, period? I'm not talking first ballot. I'm just talking, would he ever be a Hall of Famer? My answer is no currently. Interesting. Your thoughts? I guess I would say it, it's it's something that's debatable for sure. You know, you you made a very good case. Uh, in the same manner, he's kind of the uh, I would call Trout a modern Mickey Mantle in a sense, in that uh, he he just he hits for average power, everything. And he's the most dominant player of our time. Um, he has been, like you said, uh, he hasn't stayed super healthy, so we haven't seen the full extent of what Trout can do two or three seasons in a row when he's when he's robust and and playing at his best. So I, I know I gotta, I gotta tend to agree with you. I don't, I'm not sure right now he would go into the hall of fame, but uh, fortunately he's uh, we're going to get some more Mike Trout. I think hopefully I just hope he can stay healthy. Sure. Well, yes. we'll get more Mike Trout. I just, I want a healthy Mike Trout for five years in a row in yes. center field for the Oakland athletics. <laughs> hey man, it is fun to dream. Let me tell you. <laughs> All right, so that's gonna let's let's uh, get to the final part of our BP segment and our trivia question from last week. Now, I was a little surprised we didn't get more answers, more correct answers. Let me put it that way. <laughs> All right, so we got two correct answers. We actually got a couple of incorrect answers this week. Christopher Cook and Brian Krause, two of our usuals, came up with a correct answer to this question who is the only player to play for all four original expansion franchises and only those franchises now i am going to let you mark answer this question because of course you at every point knew the answer to this this question of course it just uh, rolled right off of my brain and that is whatever that means oh well let's see we're looking at the mets and the rangers and the angels and the astros those are the four teams I was talking about, yes. If I am uh, got my history right, I believe Nolan Ryan played for those four teams and only those four You teams. are correct. And he is the only, it's just so weird that he's the only player that's only played yeah. for those four and only those four. Yeah, that's, uh, that's definitely interesting. That is the answer. Well, uh, by the way, three of those four franchises have retired Nolan Ryan's number. <laughs> that's pretty amazing. The Mets, the Mets are the only ones lagging. But which is weird. I mean, he was on their 69 team, right? Yeah, he was on the Miracle Mets, which we should do a story on. That sounds like that's that sounds like a you topic, right? Right up your alley. It does, doesn't it? Yeah. But there's uh, no tragedy in it. Oh, well, it, it definitely sounds like you. <laughs> so three franchises have retired Nolan Ryan's number. My question for you is how many players have had their number retired by two franchises? Ooh. Oh, that's good. So Nolan's the only one that's been retired by three. There are a a handful of guys that have had their numbers retired by two different franchises. So give me a number of how many. If you want to give me who they are, then you'll get extra bonus points. 
<laughs> which are redeemable for absolutely nothing but our admiration. Yeah, no, I heard that our bonus points along with 10 bucks will get you a cup of coffee at Starbucks. No, so this is this is this week's trivia that question. That is this week's trivia. See how I okay. tied them together? That, that was is impressive. Professional podcasting right there. That was what that was was a very smooth transition, my friend. All right, so that's going to wrap it up. Uh, let us know. We'll tell you uh, how to get a hold of us at the end of the show. You can give us your answer for this week's trivia question. And I am really legitimately interested to know if anybody here thinks Mike Trout, if he never played another game, is a Hall of Famer right now. So I, I really like to hear from everybody and uh, see what everybody's thoughts are on that. But we're going to let the ground screw come out and do their thing. And Mark, I have been watching college baseball this week. And there are a lot of fields where there is not a, a speck of dirt on the entire field. No? So the ground screw guys really have it easy there. Yeah, no kidding. Jeez. Yeah. So our guys are, our guy. we've got dirt on our field. They're just, they're not doing anything. They're, we're going to have to drag the infield before we get started. But lucky for us, this is a Tales from the Dugout week. So it's like an off week for us. It's just some <laughs> quick stories that don't warrant a full episode but we still want to talk about and we got a couple of them each and mark i'm gonna go first and i'm gonna talk about flint ream have you ever heard of old flint flint uh, michigan i have but not not ream now no so flint ream his nickname was shad uh, and it has something to do with horse racing and i couldn't i, I should have asked my wife but i didn't and now it's too late and we cannot turn back uh <laughs> Good old Flint played for 12 years in the big leagues from 1924 to 1936. He was a pitcher. He finished with a 105 and 97 mark, though a strikeout pitcher in college in the minors, he didn't have that kind of stuff in the big. So <laughs> when talking about Flint, there is something that is probably a, a bigger part of his personality than being a baseball player. And that is the fact that alcohol exists. And yeah. uh, why? Because he liked it a lot. And I mean, he liked it a lot. I got a bunch of drunk stories here for you. Oh, One good. day, he was uh, hung over before a game. He told his manager, Gabby Street. There it is. It's our <laughs> once an episode mention of Gabby. <laughs> I do not have Butts Wagner in any of my stories this week. So we're going to have to go with Gabby. And also, I realized that there's Gabby Street, there's Gabby Hartnett, and they were both uh, they were both catchers. And I think I've mixed them up before, but nobody's ever called me on it. Ooh. Yeah, you, usually our listeners will catch something like yeah, that. Yeah, I know. I'm a little concerned. Uh, <laughs> but nevertheless, old Flint tells Gabby Street, hey, I can't go today. And his, this was his excuse. This is a direct quote that he got uh, in the paper. He said, quote, well, Sarge, I was with Alex, and I figured that he was more potent. I think that's supposed to be portent, important, more portent to the club than me. So I drank the fastest and the mostest, end quote. <laughs> you could tell he's a Southern boy right there. Yeah. On another occasion, Reem fell asleep in the bullpen after being out late the night before and bending the elbow at the uh, local watering hole. He woke up, and his teammates had placed tape over his eyes. And he panicked thinking he'd gone blind. That's kind of a good joke. Yeah, <laughs> definitely. Let's try that. In the 1926 World Series, Flint started game four of the series against the Yankees, but was removed after four innings, having already given up two home runs to Babe Ruth. Now, there are a couple of Babe Ruth myths surrounding World Series games. We covered them way back in like, I think it was 2010, Mark, like way back in the I, early right. episodes. Real early. Yeah. <laughs> so the myth was that Babe Ruth visited a very sick boy in the hospital and promised to hit a home run in an upcoming World Series game, which would have been game four of the 26 World Series. Well, like all myths, this one is based partly in truth, but there's a lot of embellishment. The 11 year old boy named Johnny, he was ill and he was close to death, but it wasn't from a strange illness or anything. Johnny had been involved in a riding accident and he'd been kicked in the head by his horse. Supposedly, the boy wished he could see Babe Ruth play and hit a home run. The boy's father managed to get word to the Yankees and the Cardinals about this, and a package arrived with baseball signed by both teams, as well as a note from the Babe saying that he'd hit a home run for little Johnny in the next game. Well, as I said, that was game four of the series, and on October 26, 1926, Ruth 
hit three home runs that day, the first two coming off of our boy Flint. Johnny, of course, made a full recovery from his accident. He served in World War II and lived to the ripe old age of 74. So, you know, there is some truth to this story, but as we said before, it was not quite as the movie portrayed. At one point, right. the Cardinals actually offered Ream a conditional clause in his contract where he would receive an extra $2,500 in bonus money if he refrained from drinking during the season. Ooh. Now, to nobody's surprise, that was never paid. And in fact, he ended up being fined for more than that amount throughout the season for unruly behavior. Reem also started another World Series game in 1928, also against the Yankees. He was supposed to start a prior game, but his mother didn't want him to pitch on a Sunday. Ah. Some great stories about Reem, but the one that he is probably remembered for most happened on September 19th, 1930, when Flint failed to show up at the ballpark for a game in Brooklyn. He was seen later that night at the team hotel, and when, again, Manager Street asked him, hey, where have you been? Flint replied, bandits, guns, and kidnapping. He said, <laughs> quote, they made me drink the awful stuff. And then he said that two thugs had kidnapped him and taken him to a remote roadhouse. They were armed and forced him to drink large quantities of hard liquor. Then he says to, to, to Gabby Street, he says, quote, and I'm sorry to say that I got drunk. Imagine that happening to me of all people. I was helpless, always in fear of my life, end quote. Yeah, but you know how many of us have not been kidnapped and had force-fed hard liquor? Come on. Happens all the time, right? Bandits, guns, and kidnapping. Only things that kept him from that game. <laughs> Another interesting thing, July 12th, 1931, he went four innings in game two of a doubleheader against the Cubs. Now, this broke a bunch of records for a bunch of things, but one of them was doubles hit in a game. So it, this game was played at Sportsman's Park in St. Louis, which was designed to hold about 30,000 fans. The crowd that day was somewhere around 46,000. A little bit that now, again, I did go to a Pac-12 school, but 46,000 is quite a bit more than 30,000 in case. Yeah, wondering. it's like six or seven more, I think. Yes. Well, well 8,000 of those fans were they were sat on the actual playing field. We've discussed this before, how sometimes they would rope off parts of the outfield and put overflow crowds there. And if the ball goes into those overflow crowds, it's considered a ground rule double. Well, there were a lot of people on the field this day, and because of that, there were a lot of ground rule doubles. There were 32 doubles hit in the two games, 21 of which came from the second game that Ream pitched in. My gosh. The Cardinals won the game, by the way, 17 to 13. A lot of runs scored that day because of all what the What a doubles. battle. Yeah, just looking at this, uh, let's see, Footsie Blair had two. Uh, oh, good old footsie. Now, what is funny here is Gabby Hartnett was playing in this game. Well, Ooh, Gabby Street was managing. <laughs> Gabby Hartnett had three of his own. Woody English had three. Rogers Hornsby even got in on the action. Uh, let's see. Ripper Ooh, Collins had three. Chick Haffey had two. He's a Hall of Famer. There's a lot of scoring going on here. Uh, that is, uh, yeah, that's going to be all I really wanted to talk about. Flint Ream. I hadn't heard about him. Obviously, I knew about the, the home run uh, being promised in the in the World Series by Babe Ruth. Didn't know it was off our boy Flint. And then the uh, the doubles. Some some good drunken times for, for Mr. Flint Ream. Yeah, that, that's good stuff, man. I mean, uh, where else are you going to learn about Flint Ream? Well, I mean, there's the there is the Flint Ream podcast, but... There's, Aside from that, it's a very niche, a very niche uh, podcast. So we're going to we're bringing it to the masses. Yeah, borrowed very heavily from the podcast of, of such name. Um, all right. Well, I got I got another thing here, Mark. I want to talk about okay. uh, it is Women's History Month this week, this week, this whole month. Otherwise, it would be called Women's History Week. And it is Women's <laughs> History Month. I want to talk about a game that took place. Uh, the Washington Senators played hosted on September 13th, 1897. So this is okay. a good ways back. You're, you might not remember this one. Win Mercer. 
He pitched for four teams over nine years from 1894 to 1902. He totaled a record of 132 and 164 and was a very, very popular player. And uh, when I say very, very popular, I especially mean with the ladies. Mm. Wynn was a very handsome gentleman. So much so that the senators regularly scheduled for him to pitch on Tuesdays and Fridays because those were designated as lady days at good old Boundary Field. Oh, man. (laughs) Uh, By the way, Boundary Field, also commonly known as League Field. Now, why do I mention this? Because this was the site of in 1910 that President William Howard Taft threw out the first presidential ceremonial first pitch. Oh, okay. Guess who caught the historic first pitch? Gabby Hartnick. Gabby Street. (laughs) (laughs) I picked the wrong Gabby. (laughs) There you go. Yeah, another Gabby Gabby Street story fitting in here. It all comes around, man. We are the best at making these connections. This is, again, this is professional podcasting. If you're not taking notes, you you should. Just, I'll send them out to you too, but it's it's good stuff. Uh, So the game ended with the Senators on the losing end of a two to one score against the Cincinnati Reds. Again, this is in 1897. There is no box score for this game, but I can tell you this win did not finish the game. He was uh, ejected by umpire Bill Chandler as they had a disagreement over Chandler's strike zone and the two were jawing at each other throughout the game. Mercer's piercing dark eyes and scruffy dark hair couldn't charm Carpenter, who actually ejected Wynn. The story in the paper read as follows, quote, an army of angry females poured out of the stands. They surrounded Carpenter, shoving him to the ground and ripping his clothing. (laughs) Finally, police brought the situation under control, end quote. I don't know. This might actually not be the best story for Women's History Month, (laughs) now that I'm thinking about it. (laughs) I remember last season there was a thread on social media about the hottest MLB players, but I don't remember who won it. Win, though, which is short for winner, by the way, definitely would have won it in his day. The story does have a tragic end, though, as Wynn took his own life at the age of 29 while in San Francisco on a barnstorming tour with other major leaguers. The reasons for this is still not known for sure. Some say that he had accumulated quite a debt that he could not pay off. Others say it was because of a woman. Again, maybe not the best story for Women's History Month, but uh, still, it was interesting. By the way, the um, most attractive scoreboard operator award. Does not reside in Seattle. Doesn't exist. I'm just saying. (laughs) There is a specific look, though. You know, having visited several stadiums in the control rooms, there is a specific look. Okay. I believe you. So we've discussed Barry Bonds on occasion, and and neither of us are big fans of his breaking records while utilizing grapeseed extract or whatever in the world he had. (laughs) The one thing I really was always impressed with by Barry Bonds was how good of an eye he had. Now, granted, a lot of pitchers didn't throw it anywhere near the strike zone. I get that. I wouldn't have either. But the respect he got from intentional walks is, is absolutely bizarre if you look into it. All right, in 22 years, Bonds walked 2,558 times, all-time leader in walks. But he was also the all-time leader in intentional walks with 688 He was intentionally walked 688 times in 22 years. That's more than a a typical player's entire at-bats for a season. Yeah, exactly. Second place on that list are intentional walks. Behind 688 from Bonds is Albert Pujols with 311. So it ain't even close. And just just to make things, give you even a better perspective, when the Rays finished their season in in, uh, 2019, the entire franchise, okay, to this point in the franchise history, there had been 606 intentional walks for the franchise. That means in the same number of Major League Baseball seasons, Barry Bonds drew more intentional walks than the entire franchise during that same amount of time. Crazy. I thought that was pretty impressive. <laughs> I mean, look at his on-base percentage. In, in 2004, at age 39, 609 on-base percentage. That is yeah, crazy. 
So yeah, 688 intentional walks, career leader in overall walks at 2,558. Now remember, Ricky at one point held the record for base on balls with 2,190. I'm curious if Bonds doesn't get walked that much, if he still, I think he still holds the record, not not by the 100 or 300 or 400 that he does over Ricky now, but I'm going to say he still holds that record. He breaks Ricky's mark even without all those intentional walks, just because, like you said, he had such a great eye. Yeah, he, he really did. He, you know, and he wasn't a, that's the great thing that if you're going to talk about the positives of Barry Bonds, he was, he was so patient and, you know, he, he didn't go up there and thinking that a a walk wasn't just wasn't as good. He knew what his job was to do. And if he didn't get a pitch to hit, he was going to get on base. Yeah, It was always something I liked about him. Even that 2001 season where he broke the record with 73 home runs in the year, he led the league with 177 walks, 35 intentional. Unbelievable. Yeah, I mean, even with that pressure of trying to get that huge number, he was still up there and being patient. Yes. Mainly because he knew if he hit it, he was going to probably hit a home run because he was juiced out of his mind. <laughs> he, You know, and he knew where his power zone was. Yeah. And he just stuck to it. Choked up on the bat. Just, yeah, it's, it's a strange home run hitter choking up on the bat that much. Natural talent and uh, some uh, performance-enhancing drugs will get you that. Grapeseed extract, I think. Grapeseed extract. Okay. All right. That's going to do it for our Tales from the Dugout. That's fun. Kind of uh, shorter stories that uh, definitely couldn't fit into a normal episode. So uh, hopefully you enjoyed those. Uh, Looking at the uh, clock on the uh, studio wall here, Mark, uh, it tells me that it is time to head into our final segment. It is time for everybody's favorite cardboard and wax-based 1v1 co-host v co-host exhibition. It is time for Wax Heroes. All right, before we get into it, let's review the rules. Mark and I will both be opening a pair of baseball cards, generally from the junk wax era. We will look at these cards and get credit for each player's baseball reference war from the year of the pack we are opening. However, whoever has the highest war total at the end is proclaimed the winner. But there are some qualifiers that can add or subtract from your score if the player is wearing real stirrups that we can see sanitary socks beneath. That's an extra tenth of a point of war because that's good. But if they are wearing the dreaded two-in-ones, that is minus half a point. Noah's Frio. If they have anything around their eyes, meaning sunglasses, glasses, glasses, a monocle, or even goggles, extra tenth of a point of war. If they're wearing sweatbands with their jersey number or caricature on them, Extra tenth of a point of war for each. If that player won an award that season, MVP, Cy Young, Rookie of the Year, Gold Glove, or was an all-star, extra tenth of a point of war for each. And if that player now has a plaque in the hallowed grounds of Cooperstown, New York, you get a whole point of war because that there is a Hall of Famer. And finally, Mark and I will each pick a team. If we get a player from that team, we get an extra half a point of war. But if we get a player from the other person's team, we minus half a point. Mark... With that, which team are you picking? I am going to select the San Francisco Giants. The Hyantes. All right. Well, uh, their natural rival would be the A's, or I could go with the Dodgers as well. But I am going to buck the trend here, and I think I am going to go with the Minnesota Twins. Ooh, nice. I don't know why, but I'm going to. Total curveball. Yeah, do that. All right. Mark, I've got in my hands here two packs of 1988 Fleer because uh, you said that they're your favorite, and last time we used them, I won. Mm. Uh, these are uh, a part of the uh, the Jeff Shamrock collection that he has donated to us. <laughs> uh, I'm going to let you choose whether you want the pack in my left hand or my right hand. I've been having better luck with the right hand. All right, I'm going to have you go first. These cards, uh, these packs have 15 cards in them. So would you like to lose the top or the bottom five? Toss the top five. Top five. All right. So we're going to get rid of your stickers, which are the Reds and the Angels. You are going to lose pitcher for the Dodgers, Matt Young. 
Uh-oh, you're going to lose changing of the guard in Boston that Uh-oh. has got three players on it, which you would have gotten credit for all three of them. Mike Greenwell, Ellis Burks, and Todd Benzinger. Jeez. Wow. Jeez. That one. Oh, oh. <laughs> I just saw the name up top. I didn't see the picture. It's Ken Griffey. Yes. No junior. Fred Ooh. Lynn. Yikes. Fred Lynn was awesome. Yeah. And then uh, you got uh, Mr. Trade straight up for uh, Jeff Bagwell, Larry Anderson. So and a, a fan favorite and one of mine, yeah. but uh, not a point scorer. Yeah. But uh, those are some tough, uh, tough names to lose. Was uh, that could have helped. Yeah, it could have. All right. So let's get right into it. Let's look at the scoreboard first. Mark, you are currently up 16 to nine. I'm kind of playing out the string here, looking for that first round draft pick. And uh, you are going to start out this week with a pitcher for the Mariners, a lefty, Mark Langston. Oh, man. Fireball lefty. Took out a lot of batters during his career. That he did. 16 years in the big leagues. Let's see. What are we? We're at 1988 this week. Uh, 1988 was his final full year in Seattle. He went 15 and 11 with a 3.34 ERA. 261 and a third innings, 235 strikeouts for an ERA plus of 125. He did win the gold glove this year, too. So you'll get points for that. All of that equates to a war of 5.6. Wow. Plus the Thank gold you, glove bonus. 6.1. Plus he's got real stirrups on. And you're going to start out with a 6.2, which I think is higher than my overall score from last week. Hey, look, we just did the whole Barry Bonds walks more than the my, than the Tampa Bay Rays. And uh, now we have something uh, along the same lines here. Yeah. Congratulations. Wow. We've, we've talked about Langston, of course, many times, uh, suffering collapsed in the broadcast booth in 2019 and uh, was revived there in the booth. He's uh, since come on, come back to resume his duties. And of course, Mark Langston appeared in a episode of Sabrina, the teenage witch, which should get you a, a whole extra point, but it doesn't. Something about Mr. Langston in 87. And again, in 91, he won 19 games. So he never got to that 20th game, but got super close twice. Slacker. Yeah. All right. Next you have got uh, my best friend here. It is a checklist. (laughs) Great. That's a a shame for you. Uh, Next you have got for the Detroit Tigers, the lead singer of the doors, Mr. Jim Morrison. Hmm. He didn't really look a lot like Jim Morrison of the doors. I don't think. No, he really doesn't. And I don't have recollection of a Jim Morrison playing third base. But, you know, Jim played 12 years in the big leagues. Not bad. Uh, 88 was his final year. He split it between Detroit and Atlanta. Uh, let's see. I just, I'm curious to look at some of these career numbers. Uh, never won an award. Never won a World Series. Uh, let's see. He did get to the playoffs a couple of times. He did pitch three times in 1988, though, which was his final year. Ah, the extra pitcher. Very nice. Yeah, he got, he, and get this, he had a war of 0.1 as a pitcher. He <laughs> nice. went three and two thirds innings, gave up three hits, no runs, walked two and struck out one. I'm going to wow. go ahead. I'm going to add his pitching war onto your batting war. Let's see. Very rare occasion. Yeah, very rare occasion. Uh, let's see. Between Detroit and Atlanta, he only hit 181. He did hit two home runs, 19 RBI, and a 37 OPS plus, which equals a minus 0.3 war. So that'll only be a minus 0.2. <laughs> it's always good when you can get that pitching war for a position yeah, player. Kind of a rough year. He, uh, he didn't quite get to the Mendoza line. Uh, he uh, tried to break on through to the other side, but he wasn't able to. <laughs> I'm going to fine you for that, I think. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Oh, we've got one of our guys. One of our guys that we, you know, we now know about because uh, we pull him quite often. The 88 Tops podcast also did an entire episode on pitcher for the Angels, Jack Lazorko. Jack Lazorko. You got to love that last name, man. Lazorko. Lazorko sounds like uh, something from Futurama. (laughs) There you go. 
1988 was the Zorko's final year in the big leagues. He spent five years in the bigs. He went 0-1 for the California Angels. Ten games, three starts, 3.35 ERA. A 116 ERA plus, though. And all of that equates to a war of a positive 0.5. Wow, I did not see that coming. So we continue to, to stand Jack Lazarko because of his numbers. There you go. Thanks, Jack. Uh, great fielder, Jack Lazorko. Uh, Ron Darling also called him the best fielding pitcher he had ever seen. Nice. But uh, he never really appeared in enough games to be considered for a gold glove. Career high, 26 games in 1987. That was it. Only 69 games his entire five-year career. All right. Probably enough to get him a, a nice pension. Oh, I am sure it did. All right. One of our favorites here. This is a good card. Oh, I like this card. This is a pitcher for the Rangers. It's Charlie Huff. I believe so. This is 88. He was only 104. Yes, this he was still in his prime at this point. This is a great picture, though. It uh, it could be spring training. It must be. He is walking uh, probably to the dugout. He's got on a batting practice jersey. So I don't know. This could be just during BP. He's got a, a towel slung over his shoulder. Just from the little bit of the wall and the stands I can see, I'm guessing that this is at Fenway. So I'm guessing this is actually during BP, but he looks uh, he looks pretty cool here. Uh, nice. Charlie Huff, let's see, 1988. He was actually only 40 at this point. <laughs> and still had six more seasons to play. <laughs> Went 15 and 16 with a 3.32 ERA. Uh, The previous year, he had led the league in starts with 40. Not bad. Look look how many innings he threw that year. Yeah, 252 innings this year, 126 walks to lead the league. The year before in those 40 starts, also led the league in innings pitched with 285. 285. Wow. Uh, 122 ERA plus for Charlie. And that is going to get him a war of 3.8. Wow. That's a good haul there for Mr. Huff. No kidding. Wow. And I feel like we need to call him Mr. Because I think he, you need to put some respect on his name. In 25 years pitching in the big leagues, throwing like almost 4,000 innings. Yeah. Respect. Yeah. So Charlie Huff, his 25 years in the big leagues, only spread around four teams, never traded. No kidding. Never once was Charlie Huff traded. In 25 years. Wow. Yeah. Uh, we've, I think we've mentioned this, but it's always worth mentioning. And in 87, Charlie Huff made sure Gino Petrali was in the record books as Petrali committed four pass balls in one inning with Charlie <laughs> Huff on the mound. <laughs> to no one's shock. Yeah, it's not really the, how you want to get in that. All right, next, uh, we've got a spring training picture, and I can tell because uh, he is wearing a mesh hat. It is Kelly Downs, pitcher for the Giants. Wow, I haven't thought about Kelly Downs in a long time. Pretty positive he was on that 89 team that went to the World Series against the A's. Uh, Let's see, eight years in the big leagues, seven of it with the Giants. The final two years, 92 and 93, were with Oakland, just across the bay. Uh, let's see, 13-9 and nine with a 3.32 ERA, 27 games, 26 started, 168 innings pitched, 118 strikeouts, a 99 ERA plus, and that is a 1.5 war. I'll take it. Maybe you should get extra credit for the trucker hat with the mesh. But, uh, <laughs> okay, next, oh, I like this. You get the DH for the Minnesota Twins, who are my team. It oh. is Mr. Don Baylor. Oh. I mean, before Craig Biggio came along, Don Baylor was the man to get hit by pitches like nonstop. The one thing I think we've mentioned about Don Baylor is his surprising stolen base total for his career. Yes. 185. Yes. Wow. Still 52 in one season. Yeah. He's had, had the wheels. Hit him, and then he makes you pay. That's right. Uh, Let's see, 1988, you've got a lot of guys that were at the end of their careers so far. 1988, his final year, age 39 with the A's. He got to go to the World Series that year. Didn't get a ring, obviously. Uh, An 88 OPS plus, 338 career home runs, seven in his final year. And all that equates to a war of minus 0.3. 
Plus, he is on the twins, so that's minus half a point. It will be minus 0.8. Ouch. Needed the younger John Baylor. Yeah, definitely. That'll take you to 11 even. So Baylor went to the World Series in three consecutive years, the three final years of his career, 86 with the Twins, or 86 with the Red Sox, 87 with the Twins, and 88 with the A's. He was, of course, on the winning side with the Twins in 87. He went to three World Series in a row with three different teams. Yep. That's pretty amazing. So, unfortunately, Don Baylor is no longer with us, but we, we can't go by without mentioning the uh, when he broke his leg while catching a ceremonial first pitch in 2014 thrown by Vlad Guerrero, which I don't think it had anything to do with the actual pitch, but that was an unfortunate uh, circumstance. Oh, your team is the Giants, isn't it? You had Kelly Downs in here. Uh, I forgot to add that. So let's uh, so that Don Baylor money I was playing with, I I lost because Kelly Downs is in there. So you're at 11.5. Next, you've got a Padre. It is Gary Templeton. Oh, man. Gary Templeton, not a bad ball player himself. A much misunderstood ball player for sure. Definitely not a fan of Whitey Herzog. 16 years in the big leagues. Most of it was with the San Diego at 10 years there. He came up with St. Louis before being traded by Herzog. And then his final year in 91, he spent with the Mets. 1988, he hit 249, had a couple of home runs, 36 RBI, eight stolen bases, and a 84 OPS plus. I think he had a pretty good glove most of the time. And all of this will equal a war of 1.8. Yeah. I don't know how he eked out a point there. Yeah, well, like I said, I think the defense comes into play there. Nothing on this card is going to help you out at all, so you're just going to have the 1.8. The trade that uh, we talked about in 81 after the season, he was traded by the Cardinals and Sixto Lescano to the Padres, and Ozzie Smith came to the Cardinals in that trade. Hmm. So definitely a very important trade in the... Uh, in the history of both of those franchises, losing Ozzie Smith and gaining Ozzie Smith. That's right. Next, you've got a pitcher for the Red Sox. It is Wes Gardner. Well, I'm gonna, I don't know everything there is to know about Wes Gardner. He has got a very sly look on his face here in this picture, but that might be because he was a professional pitcher. Let's see. Uh, eight years in the big leagues, Boston, the Mets, the Royals, the Padres. 1988, he went eight and six for the Red Sox. 3.5 ERA, 36 games, 18 starts, two saves, 149 innings, 106 strikeouts, a 118 ERA plus. And all of that equals a war of 2.5 for Wes Gardner. <laughs> Another surprising source of, of points, Wes Gardner. Yeah, I would have not guessed that. Uh, the, the only thing I have to add about Wes Gardner is he lists training bird dogs among his favorite activities. Hmm. Nothing now, I've ever tried. I have a bird dog uh, and uh, I love him to death. But uh, yeah, I don't. He's not the smartest individually so all right <laughs> you are down to your final card you are at 15.8 which is a good score and your final card is pitcher for the new york metropolitans it's terry leach i have heard uh terry leach uh he's been described as a blood sucker before oh i get it give <laughs> me a second <laughs> I, I actually, I think I heard the wheels turning on that one. Let's see. Terry Leach, 11 years in the big leagues. 1988 was with the Mets. 7-2 and two with a 2.54 ERA. 52 games out of the bullpen. Three saves, 92 innings, 51 strikeouts, a 127 ERA plus. And that is a war of 1.3. Nice. Not bad. He had a good year. He did have a good year. He had a couple good years. Yeah, good uh, good bullpen guy. 1987, he started 12 games, appeared in 44, went 11 and one with a 3.22 ERA. Yeah, I'm I'm gonna guess most of those are vulture wins. <laughs> 38 and 27 overall uh, career mark for Terry Leach. All right, so that will bring your total to 17.1. That's a good score. I'll take it. That's for sure. 
yeah, uh, that's going to be a tough one to beat. All right, so it's now my turn. Let's see. I think, uh, well, you know, you got some good, they weren't big names, the, the bottom five of your pack, but they get you, they got you some good numbers. Yeah. God, this is this is the only part I can control, and, and I'm kind of waffling here. I am going to go ahead and I'm going to lose. I'm going to lose the last five. There you go. The decision has been made. Got to make bold the moves. Form, yeah, you got to make form has been chosen. Bold moves here. All right. So my uh, my stickers are the Brewers and the Mets. I am going to lose Dave Bergman, John Tudor, Bill Wilkinson, pitcher for the <laughs> Mariners. Uh oh, Bill Doran. Hey, one of my guys. And a Ripken, but fortunately, it's not the good one. <laughs> the adopted Ripken? <laughs> yeah, the, and there is no, uh, you know, you can see the handle of his bat here, but this is not the, uh, not that year. That one. Yeah. All right, so I'm feeling pretty good about that. I, I don't think I've lost the game already from that. All right, here we go. We are starting off with none other than a big dude. He's not wearing glasses here. He wore glasses most of his career. But uh, designated hitter for the Royals, Mr. Stephen Balboni. Bye-bye, Balboni. All right, Steve Balboni, 11 years in the big leagues, 181 home runs. 1988, he split time between the Royals and your Seattle Mariners. He hit 235, 23 home runs, 66 RBI for a 97 OPS plus. And all of that together equals a positive 0.1 <laughs> he had a minus 0.9 war for the royals and a positive 1.0 for the mariners interesting yeah so at least i mean i i guess i'm in the positive next i've got picture for the st louis cardinals todd warrell todd we are the warrell that was a little bit of a stretch but i'm i still enjoy it let's see todd warrell 11 years in the big leagues, six in St. Louis, the final five for the Dodgers. 1988, good news for me, he was an all-star. Rookie of the year in 1986. In 88, he went 5-9 with a 3.0 ERA, 68 games, 32 saves, 78 strikeouts in 90 innings, and a 117 ERA+. plus. That will equal a war of 1.4 plus the all-star will get me up to a 1.9. And uh, nothing else in this card is going to help me out. Uh, let's see. Worrell led the league in saves two different years. In his 26-year-old season of 1986 and then in his 36-year-old season in 1996 with 44. Wow. I wonder if anybody's had a longer span between leading the league in saves than that. That's that's uh, pretty impressive. Oh, well, let's talk about this. Todd Worrell, I didn't remember this. He was the pitcher in Game 5 of the 1985 uh, World Series when Jorge Orta hit a, uh, hit a ground ball to the mound that was fielded by the first baseman who threw to the pitcher covering, who was none other than Todd Worrell. Of course, Don Deginger called Orta safe when he was clearly out. Oh, yes. I am not really uh, coming strong out of the gate here. Next, I've got pitcher for the Red Sox, Calvin Schiraldi. <laughs> oh, Calvin, made famous by the uh, the chance of the fans in the outfield in 1986. <laughs> the Mets fans uh, would not leave the poor man alone. Let's see. 1988, uh, he played for the Cubs this year. 9-13 and 13 with a 4.35 ERA is not looking good. Uh, 83 ERA plus and a positive .7, which, I mean, I guess it's going the right way, but biggest number there. Eight years in the big leagues for Calvin. Never spent more than two years with anybody. Uh, of course, he was on the, uh, the Red Sox in that 86 World Series. Oh, well, this is, this is interesting. Maybe more so to myself because the lone Padres game I've ever been to in San Diego, I watched him throw, uh, I watched him start the game. <laughs> it was, oh. And I know that because uh, it is the game that uh, Roseanne Barr sang the Star Spangled Banner at. Oh, you were there for that. that the one game Lucky. I have ever been to in San Diego. 
And uh, yes, I did get to see that. Uh, next is a guy that if we don't pull him in Waxpax Heroes, we feel like it actually hasn't been a real episode of Waxpax Heroes. Pitcher for the Expos, Bryn Smith. Bryn Smith. That's uh, Bryn with one N. <laughs> so do, you, do other people spell Bryn with multiple N's? I didn't know. No, but in case there were, I wanted oh, our listeners to clarify. To know. Got it. All right. 13 years in the big leagues, a good chunk of it. Nine of it with Montreal. 1988, he went 12 and 5, a three point even ERA, 198 innings pitched, 122 strikeouts, a 120 ERA plus, And that equals a war of 2.3. Nice year for Bryn. 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 Yeah, with one N, remember? Yes. Yes. Yeah, that's, uh, I'll take that. Uh, this card was taken in Wrigley. I can see the ivy in the background. He's got that really nice full beard going on there as well. Oh, so we're talking about Bryn. His first name are actually the initials of his grandfather, Baxter Robert Young Nisbet. So <laughs> I'm guessing that probably not many people spell it with just one N. Unless they have got, well, I mean, there's probably a lot of people who grandfather, like Baxter, Robert, Young, Nisbet, Norberg, then that would be. <laughs> that would ends. be two ends. That was a stretch right there. All right. <laughs> <laughs> Next catcher for the Guardians, Brian Dorsett. Hey, an old friend of mine. So how do you know Brian Dorsett? He was actually in the minors with Oakland. He never played for him in the big leagues. Let's see. Uh, yeah, that name. I remember him with the Reds more than anything. Oh, yeah, yeah, you're right. He, uh, he did see. play some NL ball. Yeah, 86 Tacoma. He spent 117 games Yes, there, which is obviously where you know him from. Uh, let's see. Eight years in the big leagues. Uh, 1988. Seven games for the California Angels, hitting a robust 0-9-1 for a minus 24 OPS plus and a war of minus 0.1. So Still doing you, me a favor. Yeah, if you see him again, tell him thanks a lot. I'll say thanks a lot. Uh, currently owns and operates two, gar- two car dealerships in Terre Haute, Indiana. No kidding. All right, next we've got a pitcher for the Cubs. Got some really good real stirrups flaring in the wind here at Wrigley. Uh, at one point was a member of the A's. It's Scott Sanderson. Let's see. Scott's, wow. Scott Sanderson pitched for 19 years in the big leagues. Oh. Uh, here, his one year in Oakland in 90, he went 17 and 11. Not bad. Uh, it looks like he was injured in 88. Only appeared in 11 games. Went one and two with a 5.28 ERA. I don't like this. Uh, all overall, war of minus 0.1. He's got those stirrups, so it's going to be a push. Not happy about that. I, I was expecting. I, he had some good years. I was hoping maybe I was going to get one of them, but no. Uh, nothing no, there. He, he did not deliver. He became an agent after his uh, his playing days, and some of his incl- uh, some of his clients at one point, Frank Thomas, Josh Beckett, and Lance Berkman. Wow. Yeah, those are some pretty big names. All right. I have got uh, four cards left here, and it's uh, looking a little grim here. You ended up with 17.1. I am at 4.9. So Hmm. got my work cut out here. And Dave LaPointe of the White Sox is, I'm I'm pinning a lot on him. (laughs) A lot of hope. As you should. Dave LaPointe, 12 years in the big leagues. 1988, he split it between the White Sox and the Bucks. Went 14 and 11 with a 3.25 ERA. 33 games, 33 starts, two complete games, one shutout. I'm still pinning a lot on him. 213 innings, a 118 ERA plus, and all of this equates to a 3.7 WAR. Nice. I told you that I was I was pinning stuff on him. I just didn't expect him to give me a 3.7. I'll take it. The point played for a lot of different teams. Yeah, he did. One of those, uh, one of those guys that's easier to probably mention the teams he didn't play for. Yeah. Nine different teams. All right. Next, uh, we get somebody we talked about just last week. You just don't know when to keep your mouth shut. Do you sexy boy? It's Steve Sachs. Well, we know war takes into account 
defense, which does not for you. bode well for me. <laughs> Saxon, 88, led the league the first of two consecutive years in at-bats. He hit 277 and on base of only 325. Stole 42 bases this year. Uh, received MVP votes. And uh, overall, that ends up with a 2.1 war. He does have real stirrups as well. So I'll get a very Dave LaPointe-esque 2.2 out of that. I think I think this is all a little too late. Too little too late. But I mean, we can mention here. We can mention without even having to look it up that Steve Sachs was included in the uh, Simpsons episode Homer at the Bat. Right. I know that. Uh, we've talked about his defense before, getting the yips. People, uh, fans behind first base dugout wearing uh, wearing batting helmets as protection. Uh, we have also mentioned, I believe, that he also, beyond The Simpsons, appeared in an episode of Square Pegs, Who's the Boss, Hollywood Squares, and, of course, Sabrina the Teenage Witch, our second uh, athlete so far that has been on that show from these packs. It's the perks of playing in Los Angeles. Yes. <laughs> All right, next I have got pitcher for the Brewers. It is Chris Basio. Basio throwing no-hitter in person. Yep. I happened to be at that game. One of the one of the rare guys that went to the Mariners and, you know, played well. That's right. Chris Bozio, 11 years in the big leagues, seven with Milwaukee, four with the aforementioned Mariners, 1988, seven and 15. Three point, <laughs> you know, it's back in these days, though, seven and 15. And again, we say this every time wins and losses, we realize aren't really a thing that are that important anymore, nor is ERA because he finished with a seven and 15 record, but a 3.36 ERA. Which would be a an all-star quality ERA at this point in baseball. He did have six saves as well, a 118 ERA plus, and all this equates to a war of 2.3. Wow. And he does have real stirrups on, so that's a plus 2.4. So I'm, uh, you know, these guys are surprising me. But uh, well, uh, that'll bring me up to 13.2 with my final card. I don't know how to how to break this to you. Uh oh. It's going to be close because I have none other than pitcher for the Atlanta Hammers, Charlie Puyo. <laughs> I don't know how to say his last Charlie name. Charlie Puleo? Is that how you say his last name? Puleo? Yeah, that's it. All right. Well, regardless, this is going to be close. We know. <laughs> I think we, we've definitely pulled him before, and I still have no idea how to say his last name. Puyo. I see, I want to make him like Spanish even though he was born in Glen Ridge, New Jersey, which doesn't mean he he's not Latino. He could Spanish. be from, from Hispanic, you know, origins. and Yeah, just like Keith know, Hernandez. Just, that's right. Is Spanish, not Mexican. But he was born in California. All right, 1988 with the uh, Hammers, 5-5, five and 3.47 five, ERA, 106 innings, 106 ERA plus, and a war of 1.4. Um, he's got a good mustache here. Do you think we could give him a three-point mustache? It would take a, a very special mustache. I mean, Raleigh Fingers isn't even three points, Steve. All right. Well, I'm going to just take the 1.4, and that'll take me to a 14.6, which once again leaves me on the short end of the stick. I don't think it mattered if I took the first to the last five uh, cards there. I don't think uh, so either. Yeah, just another loss, and you creep ever closer. 17 to 9 is now the score. And yeah, congratulations. Uh, It was a heartfelt battle, and, uh, you know, I got to trust my team, and that's what I did. That extra BP you took really, really paid off. All right, that's going to wrap up this edition of Wax Packs Heroes. Also, going to wind down this episode. It's been another fun episode of Tales from the Dugout. Uh, If you want more of us, as very few women do. Uh, you can find <laughs> us at any point on the social medias. You can find us at Two Strike Noise. That is at TWO Strike Noise, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, Twitch, show notes. If you can't if you can't remember all that, it's all in the show notes here, as well as our very, very famous Gmail address that Mark's gonna tell you about. Let's spell that one out too. TWO strike noise at gmail.com. Feel free to write. We'll uh, most likely respond because we have no lives. 
we're uh, pretty much sit here. We we really just stare at Gmail at that little icon and just wait for it to have a little bubble around it. So make our day. Hate the spam. Really? Uh, spam ones always, they always set me off. Yeah, I still read them all though. Yeah, nothing else to do. Yeah. No, no baseball to watch, so yeah. All right, that's going to wrap it up for this episode. We will be back here again at the uh, same time, uh, same place, regardless of what uh, the baseball uh, gods are going to give us in this next week. So uh, we hope to see you here on the next episode of Two Strike Noise. God bless you. Have a great day.